0: Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service which is already underway and listen to the message. I do feel uh, to speak this morning, I feel the Lord gave me a thought for you today. And uh, Pastor, some of you know Pastor Ken Gurley from Pearland, Texas, and he told a A story tells a childhood story. And he says the the occasion was somber. He said our teacher had found a branch upon which uh, was a cocoon. And the teacher brought the cocoon on the branch into the classroom and promised someday the cocoon would open and a moth or a butterfly would emerge. And each day it gave us something. To look forward to, he said, we would race into the classroom to the small table where the cocoon was to see if anything had happened. And one day, he said, we got to the table and we found the cocoon was indeed opened and broken. Something had exited the cocoon. We started looking up, up to the ceilings, up to the window, up, and we saw nothing. Finally, someone noticed something on the floor by the door. And so 30 third graders ran to the door, and as they looked, it was a butterfly. But the butterfly didn't survive. And he tells, we built a casket for it from a matchbox. We covered it with aluminum foil, filled it with cotton ...placed broken butterflies within it, closed it, took it to the playground. We had a large spoon from the cafeteria, and we dug a hole, and we made a makeshift casket within. And he said, one of my third-grade classmates looked at me and said, Ken, would you say something? He said, I don't remember what I said that day, but I do remember the occasion vividly, as vividly as it was yesterday. And this is the lesson, he said, that hit me on that elementary playground... The lesson was, it's irreversible. The butterfly could not go back into the cocoon to finish. The threads of the cocoon could not be respun. We couldn't go back to that moment where we all ran into the classroom excited. We couldn't unwind the hands of time. It was irreversible. And as goes the saying, you can't unring the bell. You can't unstrike the match. You can't go back. Now, I want to speak this morning on irreversible realities. Not sure if you followed much news over the last number of years about King Richard III, but he was the last English king killed in the Battle of Bosworth at the close of the War of Roses about 500 years ago. As was the custom, King Richard III was buried in the nearest sacred spot as after he died, which happened to be at a church in Leicester. And over time, however, which is remarkable to me, his grave was actually lost. They didn't know where they had buried King Richard III. However, an archaeological team rediscovered it a few years ago. They verified the brutal death that he experienced in battle, and they matched the DNA to descendants. And Richard III has been immortalized in a play by Shakespeare of the same name. And whether we know it or not, each of us has probably recited a nursery rhyme inspired by Richard's downfall. The nursery rhyme is Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. Richard's horse, according to some historians, was named Wall. And when he fell from Wall in battle, he was, as the archaeologist verified, hurt so severely that he couldn't recover. Every child thus knows something about Richard III in that Very real game of thrones. He was the dispossessed king who was toppled and shattered. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put him together again. Irreversible. That's the message again and again in life. You can't go back. Have you ever tried to go back home on occasion when I go back to Canton, Ohio, where I grew up. I'll drive by some of the places of my childhood. The small house on 28th Street, where I lived most of my childhood, it's still there. The garage still leans a little. The field next to the house still is there, where we played wiffle ball throughout the summer. And as much as the memories flood my mind, it's not the same. I can't recover the time, I can't recover the people, and I can't recover what I experienced there. I can't reverse it in any way. There is a small church on Navarre Road in Canton, Ohio, where I received the Holy Spirit and was baptized. And I have to confess, this is probably the building I drive by the most when I'm in Canton. I look for ways to drive by it. And I've gotten out a few times and walked around the building recapturing, re-remembering things that had happened there. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in that building. I was baptized in Jesus' name in that building. But today it's boarded up and I can't get in and I can't recapture those moments it's where i first learned to play musical instruments it's where i played my first instrument in church the xylophone <laughs> moving on to the clarinet and the saxophone then the drums but i can't i can't go back can't go back to that and relive those moments. It's irreversible. As the great novelist Thomas Wolfe once said, you can't go back home to your family, back home to your childhood, back home to a young man's dream of glory and of fame, back home to places in the country, back home to the old forms and systems of things which once seemed everlasting but which are changing all the time. Back home to the escapes of time and memory. You can't go back. You can't live it again. And it's sad when people try to relive their childhood, try to recapture that. The problem is too much has changed. The saying is so often sadly perfect when it is said it is water under the bridge. It is moving too fast to recapture or to redo This life is marked by the irreparable, the irrevocable, and the irreversible. And this is the first truth that I hope we can take away today. You can't go back. Now for some that may seem sad and difficult. Some of you don't particularly look forward to Father's Day because you can't go back. You can't fix the relationship. You can't get back the time that was lost. So you don't even want to remember and Father's Day forces you to think about something in the past. Father's Day is a reminder of what was, what should have been, and what could have been. There's a flip side to that that I think is important to realize when we say we can't go back. And that is for those of us who are fathers today, those of us who are leaders today in our home, you can't go back. So realize you can't go back. Realize that today counts. That what you're doing today matters. What you say matters. The time you spend with people matters because you can't go back. There's a saying that someone penned, and I don't know who the author is, but it's a pretty popular saying, but I think it captures, in essence, this idea. There are four things you can't recover. The first is stones, once you've thrown them. You need to be careful about the stones that you throw in life, because you can't get that back. Be careful about the words that you say Because the word you say After you've said it you can't get it back And I know we all face Moments in our life of Anger That's why the Bible tries to help us To be careful what comes Out of our mouth because you can't Get that back And some of you are sitting in here Today the victims Of words That can't Back It's the occasion After you've missed it You can't go back and replay the occasion You can't replay The birthday Or the moment of significance And then go back and actually attend it Once you've missed it You've missed it And I thank God for the gift Of Norman Pasley II Because nobody showed us Like him the importance of the occasion, and being present in the occasion. And I challenge us today, all of us, and including fathers today and mentors. Maybe you don't have a, a son or daughter of your own, but you're an influencer. You know, fathers and men were influencers long before social media became popular. And I would, I would argue are some of the most powerful influencers in life. And so... I challenge you to realize you can't revisit an occasion that you've missed. You can't go back to it. You can't recover it. And you can't recover the time after it's passed. It's a commodity. And once it's gone, it's gone. That's a a, a sobering reality, isn't it? It's a sobering reality But it's a powerful reality. It's what should be a motivation for you to do the right thing. When you want to just sit back in your home, and your couch, and not attend certain things, and not do certain things, and you want to go off the handle on somebody, but it causes you to pause because you realize it's an irreversible reality. You can't get it back. And while the irreversible reality is you can't get some things back, there is another irreversible reality that I want to remind you of, and that is why you can't replay the past. You can start over. Why you can't replay what's lost. You can have a fresh start. You can start doing good things. David, no one is more beloved in Scripture than David. However, I think we can all agree that David made some mistakes in his life. If you're not familiar with King David, King David was a prominent hero in Scripture. He's known, if you've ever heard of of David killing Goliath, the story of, of the young man killing a giant that is in all of our pop culture. It's this king who was so uh, amazing and so wonderful and did so many amazing things. But we also realize, if you look into his story, that he made some serious mistakes. His history was marred by failure His history was marred by sin. His history was marred by his own lust and his own deceit. It was really marred even by hatred in the sense that he had the woman who he had an affair with, he had her husband killed. It doesn't get much worse than that in Scripture, in my opinion. A man with all authority, using his authority... And taking control in such a manner. And here's the reality that we understand. David could not go back and undo what was done. As much as he wanted to. As much as he tried. He could not go back and bring that man back to life. He could not go back and undo that decision that he made. It was a done deal. And David reaped the consequences of his actions. As good of a man as he was, we realize that his decisions had consequences. As bad as it was, he couldn't undo the death of his son due to the consequences of his sin. He couldn't undo the embarrassment of Losing the kingdom to his son Absalom, that ultimately tracks back to his own sin. He couldn't unwind all of that. He had to reap the consequences of his sin. But David understood that, wow, there was this irreversible reality that I cannot go back. David also understood the irreversible reality that I don't have to just live with my past haunting me. I can actually start over. And so David would pray in Psalm chapter 51 when he was confronted with his sin, when he was confronted with what he had done, and he said, I can't go back. But I will pray to God create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew in me a right spirit. There was something that said, I I, I can't do anything about what's done, but I'm going to press forward with a new endeavor, a new intention in life. You see, here's a little principle that I I, I want you to consider about mistakes, and and it's interesting. It's an interesting parable. I, I, I don't Pretend to have all knowledge about parables, but I I find this parable interesting in that it's found in Matthew 13. I'm not going to read it, but in Matthew 13, Jesus tells this parable about weeds that the enemy sowed, and they sowed in the middle of the good harvest. They sowed in the middle of wheat. And what what Jesus uh, was asking or saying there was that they, they said, should we go ahead and try to pluck out the bad? Should we go ahead and pluck out the, the, the negative seed or the negative weeds and pull them out? And Jesus said, no, we're going to wait till the very end and then it will be burned up. When we harvest it, it will be harvested altogether. Now, again, there's probably 25 layers to that parable. But what I thought of is that's really true about life. It's really true about life that the bad decisions that we make in life grow with the consequences of the good decisions we make in life. And you, we don't, we don't get to undo bad consequences, bad decisions that have negative consequences sometimes. We don't get to redo some of those things. Many times they grow together with good things that we've done. You will simultaneously have consequences born of good decisions and bad decisions growing at the same time in your life. You can make good decisions with your money and bad decisions with your health, and you will get the fruit and the result of both. And so we realize that today there are irreversible realities in our Life. But what, what, what I realized today is it doesn't just have to be a negative reality. That we can do some things in our life that allow good things to grow in our life. You're not gonna be able to change 40 years of history of living one way and all of a sudden wake up the next day and act like that 40 years of history didn't happen. It's not gonna happen. But what you can do is turn your life to Jesus Christ. What you can do is find a way to turn and begin to sow good things into your life that grow into something that makes a difference. See, it was the prodigal son who had an inheritance. He was promised an inheritance by his father. And in his quest for independence... Isn't that the the real problem in our life most of the time? Isn't that what got us in trouble as a child? We felt we were more independent than we really were. We'll make our own decisions. We'll do our own thing. Give me my inheritance now. I want it now. Come on, Baruca. Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory. I want it now. Give me it now. The prodigal gets it. And what does he do? Same thing we do. We, he wasted it. He burned it up. He used it all up and gets to the end of himself, realizes there's nothing left. That was a waste. And says, I, I would be better off a, a servant in my father's house than where I'm living. The worst people, the worst people in my father's house are, are better than me out here in the middle of nowhere. I'd rather go there. So we know the story that he goes and he comes to his father. What I realize is the irreversible reality was he couldn't get the inheritance back that he lost. The father doesn't promise him years that he had lost. Doesn't say, I'm going to make up for all the dumb decisions you did. What he said is, I'm going to give you a new start. He said, I'm not going to make you a servant, although you should be. I'm going to call you a son. I'm going to invite you to be something you don't deserve. Because the reality was, when he took his father's inheritance, he was saying to the father, I wish you were dead. Because the inheritance wouldn't have been given unless the father had died. That's what he was saying. He had died to his father. But his father said, no, I'm going to raise you back to life. I'm going to bring you into a relationship that you don't deserve. I'm going to call you a son. And I'm going to give you a robe, a ring, and some sandals. I'm going to give you something and change your life. I'm going to give you a start over. See, the bad news is you can't go back. However, the good news is you can start over. And there's another interesting principle found in a parable that I want to encourage somebody with today. There's a parable in Matthew chapter 20 where a farmer goes to find some workers. And he goes about 6 in the morning and he finds some workers. They're wanting to do some work that day. And so the farmer says, I want you to to help me out. And so he says, I'm going to pay you $250 to work for me today. We're going to work and, and I'll pay you $250. So they said, good. That, that'll be great. We're going to start working. So there they go. They start working. They start working the field. And, and that farmer says, you know what? I think I need a few more workers. So about nine in the morning, he, he goes back to that same spot where the workers gather and he sees some other guys he says, Hey, will you work for me? And they said, sure. We'll, we'll work for you. He said, Well, I'll pay you a fair wage. And so he says, come on. And they, he leads them to the field and they begin working. And about 12 p.m., about noon, lunchtime, he realizes, you know what, if we're going to get this done by sundown, I need to get some new workers. And so sure enough, he goes and he, he grabs, uh, goes back to that same spot and he finds some workers and he says, I want you to work for me. And they said, sure, we'll work for you. And so he said, I'll pay you a fair wage. And so he takes them over and he leads them and he gets them working and there they go. And it's five o'clock. They got an hour left before sun goes down. And he says, you know what? I need just a little bit more help. And so he walks over to the the same place where the other workers. And he he says, "Uh, what are you guys doing here? Why are you here? You should be working. They said, we want to work. Put us to work. And so he said, come on. You can work for me, and I'll pay you a fair wage. So he walks them over, and he leads them to the field. And there they go. They get all the work done. 6 p.m. hits They punch the time clock. They're done. They got the field done just in time. And so now it's time for payday. And so he invites the guys who showed up at 5 p.m. He said, listen, I told you I'd pay you a fair wage, so I'm going to pay you a fair wage. So here he goes. 20, 40, 60, 80, 100. 20, 40, 60, 80, 100. 20, 40, 50. $250 you worked for an hour I'm giving you $250 the guys back here who had been working since 6 a.m. couldn't believe it are you serious surely when we get up to him he's gonna say well you know you guys work longer whatever we're gonna get they get up to him what does he pay him $250 Now, in our economy, that is not fair. That does not work in our capitalistic mentality. And I'm kind of thankful it doesn't. (laughs) But here's what I think about that. And here's what I want to help some of you today. You've burnt some years. You've burnt some years being distracted. You've burnt some years with, with chasing things and doing things that have kept you out of the will of God and the plan of God for your life. But there's an irreversible reality that says that just because you're starting now, it doesn't mean that you've lost everything, that God's economy, God's economy is different, that if you'll start now, you'll start now, who knows what God will do, that he's not going to just hold you accountable for years, wasted But if you'll join the team now, he's willing to offer you the same thing he offered me when I started serving God at eight years old, at seven years old. It's an irreversible reality that I'm thankful for today. And here it is, that his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. I can't go back and relive the past, but I can start now. And I can reach for a future that's greater than any past that I've lived. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You don't have to live with regret. You don't have to live with regret today. Now, yeah, we all wish we could have done some things different. Yeah, there are some things we, we should have done different. And I'll tell you this. I, I, I don't know if it's in my notes anywhere. but. What I did feel to tell some of you that if you have the opportunity and you can repay some people that you've hurt or you can have some conversations where you ask somebody to forgive you, the Bible gives us instruction that that is what we should do. But there are some things you're not going to be able to go back and fix. That doesn't count you out. You're not counted out of the equation in the kingdom of God. Doesn't matter when you start to work for God, just start. The good news is God is the judge and God is the rewarder. People will hold grudges, people will want to make you pay for what you've done. And again, if you can make restitution, you should make restitution. But whatever you do, start over, get up and try. Proverbs twenty four sixteen, For the righteous falls seven times and rises again. In 2018 it was one of the deadliest, most destructive seasons for wildfires in California. I can remember living in San Diego, California in the late 90s and early 2000s. I was working at a church there. And uh, when I read about the wildfires in California, I kind of went back to my time there because there was one day I was at the church, and as I walked out of the church, the church sat on a hill, walked out of the church, and the hillside was just on fire, and there was nobody around, there was nothing happening, the the hill was just literally on fire. So I called the, the fire department, they came out and put it out thankfully quickly but the conditions and climate in California make it an easy target for wildfires to spread and while wildfires are destructive there is also something else to consider about wildfires they actually can benefit the soil it may seem that the fire is destroying everything however what often happens is that life emerges Out of scorched earth. And what recent research tells us. And this is to me what is powerful about this. Is that what emerges. And what resurrects. Is not the same. As is what burnt down. The second forest that grows. The second forest that emerges after a wildfire is often different than the first forest. The trees are different. There's different types of plant life that emerge out of the ground. And when a forest is burned, what comes back, they say, may not resemble what was lost. Isn't that the point of Jesus Christ in our life? See, I'm sorry. I get frustrated with a Christendom message that leaves people in the same condition with no hope of escape. Sin has consequences. Idolatry has consequences. Greed has consequences. Sexual perversion has consequences. And I don't want to preach or live by a gospel that leaves me in chaos, misery, and the muck of sin. Proverbs eleven twenty two says, like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. Isn't that a wonderful verse? In other words, you can't really dress up filth. We have a, a a culture that's trying to beautify filth and beautify sin. The point of the gospel is to pull us out of sin, not dress us up in our sin. And I, I'm not going to call something that the Bible calls evil, sin, an abomination. I'm not going to call it good just to appease anybody. If the Bible calls it evil, I can't accept it. That's why the prophet would say, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Don't put a ring in a pig's nose and dress it up. It doesn't get dressed up. Call it for what it is. And here is the beauty of the rugged cross is that I don't have to stay in my sins and face the consequences of my sins. What is the consequence of sin? The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gospel, the whole point of the gospel was to allow people to have a start over, to begin something again. That's why Jesus would call it being born again. Being born again. I don't have to stay in the mire. I I can change. I can change my ways. Oh, it's not without struggle. Because there's so much that has been planted in me. There's so much that sin has put in me. And sometimes that grows in the middle of good things trying to grow in your life. But you can change. You can have a start over. It can be an irreversible reality. I'm going to take just a few minutes here. I've got a video that I recently saw. Of a bear Maybe you've seen it Climbing a mountain And I thought when I watched it Several uh, months ago It might have been a year or two ago I thought you know what This is the Christian life This is what we're doing I I want you to play that video if you can I don't think there's any sound to it (laughs) We can all rest easy now right You know, I was reminded, many of you know Dr. Lonnie Lewis, great man in our church. He's helped many of you in your life. When I think about messages like this, I think about him. A man who found his life in prison, addicted to drugs, full of chaos, full of a mess. For years... Lived a life, a horrible life, serving the ways of sin, facing the realities of drug use and facing the realities of prison and everything that meant. But at some point, Dr. Lonnie Lewis got out of prison and decided, you know what? I think I can have a start over And Came to the Calvary Church Made his way And ultimately I think it might have been in his 40's or 50's Decided he wanted to serve the Lord His life that was full of chaos And a mess He said I'm going to start over And he did start over he served the Lord And he surrendered his heart to the Lord And he decided He wasn't always Dr. Lonnie Lewis He was just Lonnie Lewis But after he started serving the Lord He realized that More things were possible And oh I would guess that he Faced the consequences of His life Previous to coming to the Lord But he didn't let that determine How he lived his life He kept overcoming and ended up getting his Ph.D. in clinical counseling, taught at Cincinnati State University, counseled people professionally and in this church, helping them with their drug addiction, helping them overcome. Today I bring a message of clarity, I hope, But there are some irreversible realities in your life. You can't go back on things, and so you live the best that you can. The other irreversible reality is you can start over. You can begin a life with Christ that might resemble a lot like the bear. How many know what I'm talking about? You've experienced that life. You say, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden, it all goes out from under you. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times and gets up again. You may have some moments in life you'd like to redo. You may wish that some things had been different. You may be living under some scorched earth today. Today, if you'll let God be a part of that process, the past can be buried by a new future. That's why... Paul would say, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. Would you stand with me this morning? What needs a new start in your life? What needs a new start in your life? Are there relationships? Are there dreams, is there a career decision, life goals? Or maybe it's a walk with God. Maybe your walk with God needs a new start. While you can't go back and replay all the years, you can begin anew. And sometimes the good grows with the bad. Prodigal couldn't repay the wasted years. He couldn't replay the wasted years. He couldn't repay the wasted money. David couldn't revive the husband that he killed or save his son from dying. But they were able to find a new start, a new way to begin in Christ. So this morning, as we prepare to have a time at the altar I'm praying for courage today for some of you. I realize today that real change doesn't happen unless a real strong decision is made. And I don't know what that looks like. For some people, it's a health scare. For some people, it's a death scare. For some people, they just all of a sudden reflect on their life and they realize this is getting me nowhere. I don't know where it is, but I I felt pressed today that there's some of you today that are really wanting a new start. And you're not sure with your history if a new start is possible. But today I'm telling you, a new start is possible. Amen. Amen. And it may look like the bear sliding down the hill a lot of times. But you can make it. There's too many stories in this room that tell me you can make it. I'm going to pray for you before we invite you to come to the altar. But I wonder if you'd pray and say, God, help me to have a fresh start today. Maybe it's some area of your life. Maybe I haven't even talked about it, but you, maybe the Lord prompted something. But I want you to pray that where there's scorched earth, that something new will arise. Lord, I'm praying today for this great congregation that's gathered Lord, we're desiring so much for you to do a work in our life. And God, the reality is many of us, God, have a history that's marred, a history that's marked by failure. It's marked by mistake. It's marked by tragedy. Lord, and I'm praying today, I'm praying today that someone would decide to make a new start in their life. God, that they would be willing to turn from their sins, to turn from a life of sin and turn towards you with everything that they have because their future, Lord, is greater than their past. No matter where they are on life's journey, Lord, their future can be greater than their past. Lord, I'm praying today that there would be something in us, Lord, that would rise up in our church that says that anything is possible. Change is possible. Lord, you want to pull us up out of sin. You want to pull us up out of the mire and the muck of sin. And I'm praying, oh God, that someone would find hope today. Someone would find hope to see change realized in their life. In the name of Jesus, I want you to come today. I want the fathers especially, I want you to step forward today to say, God, I'm going to lead my family. We're We're going to lead in this way. We're going to allow you to be preeminent in our life God, we want you, we want you to make a difference. Come on, come forward if you feel it. I want you to step forward and say, God, I need you. I need you in a desperate way today. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com.